Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. And what's up, STS Nation? Welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. If you could only see what's going on behind the scenes, the COE and I battling over a microphone issue as poor Dave Arenberg and Tamara Demko are listening to marital woes in real time. But the mic now appears to be working. Um, and I don't know if that's because both uh, T- Tamara and Dave are muted, but we're about to find out. Uh, we are talking about um, a very um, kind of sad and somber uh, note today. And that, of course, uh, is the fact that today would be Dan Markell's 51st birthday. Obviously, he is no longer here. For those who do not know, uh, he is the Harvard-educated FSU law professor. He was gunned down in his Tallahassee driveway back in 2014. Two hitmen and a go-between, a woman named Katie Magbanawa, are already convicted of the crime, and they are sitting in prison where they belong. Ex-brother-in-law, Charlie Adelson, meanwhile, is sitting in a Leon County jail up in Tallahassee, his murder trial for all this set to begin October 23rd. And best guess, you guessed it, Dave Arenberg is here. He is the Florida state attorney for Palm Beach County. Uh, the state attorney is also a former member of the Florida Senate. He was elected to the Senate in 2002 as its youngest member and served for eight years. He's a graduate of Harvard undergrad and Harvard law. So from that, you can deduce that he's not dumb. Uh, how about that? Um, Tamara Demko has more letters after her name than the alphabet itself. She's got a doctor, a PH, I think that is public health, a JD, that is law, and an RN, a nurse. And these are good friends of Dan Markell. So it just goes to show you sort of the circles that he was in uh, with his level of intelligence. Dr. Tamara Demko has 20 years of experience in public health and healthcare. That spans the private, public, and government sectors. She works as a public health consultant and publication specialist with the National Association of Chronic Disease Directors. Uh, another friend, or- uh, Orly Lobel, was set to join. Uh, however, she was unable to due to some family uh, issues um, and things of that nature. So we appreciate the fact that she made the effort. We will get her on uh, next time. Uh Tamara, how are you doing? Um, you're in Florida and, you know, the trial is going to be starting in just a matter of weeks ahead of this trial. What's your mood like? It's been a long time coming and I can't believe it's been nine years that he's been gone. Um, I feel it's really appropriate to remember him and the blessing that his life has been on so many people on his birthday. So I'm, I'm looking forward to to the trial progressing. I'm looking forward to getting to a point where justice can fully be served. And uh, we're going to do kind of a uh, double episode in one, if you will. So Tamara can't really talk about the case uh, for legal reasons and prefers not to. So we're going to talk to her. Uh, Hopefully Dave's going to stay on. And then in the waiting room, I have Judy Tsang of Asian American Legal Focus, who has an excellent YouTube channel. She's going to pop in uh, in about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, as is uh, Tim Jansen, uh, Tallahassee's 
best known criminal defense attorney. So we're going to, you know, kind of remember Dan for the first bunch of minutes of the show and then move on to some of the legal issues because there was a hearing in court today. And I'm going to uh, pop off uh, Black Widower, who's coming to us from the Republic of Ireland and pop up. Uh, Ruth Markell gave me these photos. Um, you see Dan uh, at his son's bris on the left. A headshot of Dan looking very legal-esque. And then uh, him on the beach of Tel Aviv, I believe, uh, on the right. right. And is besieged now. And um, the COE is loving it because I'm getting some static in my ear. And she knows it. And she's loving the fact that she was right and I am wrong. Um, Dave Ehrenberg, to you, I mean, what is it like? Same question. It's been nine years, over nine years now. And uh, the first Adelson is set to uh, stand trial here. What's it like for you to know that Jesus could be coming in a matter of weeks? Oh, sorry, Dave. I got you. So hang tight. That is the COE's Paul. There you okay. go. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. All right. You know, uh, it's great to be back with you, Joel, and to have uh, Tamara here because she was closest to Dan and and I used to see Dan uh, every year when I was up in Tallahassee when I was a state senator, and we were part of the small Harvard club of uh, Tallahassee. And and as is uh, Tamara, by the way, she's another Harvard Law School graduate. And, you know, Dan uh, was uh, just a brilliant, caring soul. And Ruth, uh, the, I finally got a chance to communicate with her, and uh, and I've heard her speak and you can see where he gets it from, the values that they share of justice, uh, their integrity, and to see it snuffed out uh, so cavalierly by hitmen over, a, allegedly, if I have to say allegedly, a uh, custody matter. But I think for the first time, you're going to see an Adelson go on trial. And this is an important case. And I think the evidence is is really strong. And the question for me is, how will they use Katie in the case because she's obviously a key witness, but uh, the problem with that is that she is a liar. She lied under oath multiple times in two trials. And so it's a skill that prosecutors have to be able to get at that fact in their direct so that it's not a surprise on cross. So you want to take the sting out and explain to the jury essentially that, yes, yeah, she's a liar, but she's telling the truth now. And here's why we've got corroboration. And that's why you should believe her. So uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this trial. It's long overdue. And I can't believe, as Tamara said, that it's been nine years already since Dan was murdered. Uh, I, uh, I am not T-Pain here as one of the mods. Uh, hello, STS Nation. Sending love and prayers to everyone in Israel right now. One of our viewers, our regulars, one of our family members here is Tali Schechter. Uh, look at this. Henshi Held is coming to us from Jerusalem right now, trying to keep our spirits up. Stay strong, Henchy. Uh, he's another STS member uh, coming to us from Israel. And uh, the other one I was going to mention is Tali Schechter, uh, whose family is actually uh, in the South, I believe. But she is in Tel Aviv, and I've been in touch with her, uh, sending love and prayers to her. And I think you guys saw on Twitter, not to make this about myself in any way, but my two nephews through marriage are both fighting uh, on the border in northern Israel, and I'll put a link in there. Uh, they left for war so quickly that they don't have phone chargers. They have no pillows, no blankets. They are sleeping uh, using leaves as pillows right now uh, on the ground. Uh, the Israeli army does things a little bit differently. They're not operating out of actual bases. Uh, they just plant themselves there and uh, 
life is not going to be easy for them for the next bunch of weeks. And uh, the COE was uh, trying to raise spirits and raise some funds. So we'll, we'll put a link in uh, during this show. Uh, one left behind a three-month-old baby. So praying for them, thinking of them, what's going on there is uh, horrific. Uh, so a special shout-out to Henchy and uh, Tali Schechter and, of course, both my nephews, uh, both paratroopers, by the way, who are infantry men. So they are in the middle of it. Um, and, uh, yeah, he sent me video today. It's, it's very... Um, emotional they are praying and believe it or not they're kind of uh dancing and psyching themselves up before they go to war uh, already and eager to fight uh for their homeland so uh prayers for them um tamara to you um when's the first time you you know cross paths with danny as a larger than life uh you know image obviously part of that is attributable to what you know what happened to him um but when's the first time you crossed paths with him, and what was your first impression? Oh, I have you muted now. You know who's doing this to COE, and then she's forgetting about it and walking away. Go ahead, Tamara. I first met Dan in, in 1997. Um, we had four uh, groups at Harvard Law, four different groups of students, and I was in a really small group. So the entire class was divided into about 150 groups of four each. And then we had what was called our A group, which was about 15 people. And Dan and I were in the same A group. So we, we were, that was our introduction to Harvard Law School. And when I first met him, um, he had quite a few friends that were named Tamara or Tamar. So he decided to uh, call me Tej or TJ. And that's a, a name that people use with me even today, my husband called me TJ. So, <laughs> um, is, is your is your middle initial J, or was it just that it flowed that way? It, my middle my middle name is Jennifer. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I might have to start calling you TJ if I'm allowed. And um, I mean, just in in you know early conversations, you know, I know you guys are all at Harvard Law, so you're all bright people. But did you notice? Uh, that he had like a, a joie de vivre, a joy of life. Was he particularly intelligent? Did he like to engage in legal discussions? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He loved to to be the one to answer questions and he would engage in debate and discussion. Um, he loved having casual discussion. He loved how people thought and listening to others and learning how they thought and, and discussing different ideas. So um, he was a resource. He was great to be around. Um, it was fun debating with him. <laughs> he, he loved talking about his views on things. Um, but yes, he, he loved life. He loved dancing. He loved Harvard College. He loved Harvard Law School. Um, he loved Lowell House that he, he worked at and, and was a part of for so many years. Um, he just really in, enjoyed life. Um, he, he tried to enjoy it to the fullest. So lots of parties, lots of energy, lots of discussion. And uh, Dave Arenberg, I'm going to invoke my Chris Cuomo and just call you Arenberg or Brother Arenberg. Uh, you can tell me who was smarter, you or Dan Markell? <laughs> no humility I, here. Tamara, she was the smartest. <laughs> I knew that's a brilliant. That is why he is the uh, 
you know, the, the Florida state attorney for answers just like that. Uh, Sarah says, by the way, ski hat, Sarah here. I haven't stopped crying since this began, not the episode, but Israel, what is wrong with the world? Some people are crying because the episode began and I'm hosting it. That's a whole different story. Um, Tamara, um, again, you know, you, you, you both went to Harvard, obviously very bright people. Um, what, what distinguished him? Because he went on to become, you know, a real legal scholar at such a young age. So, I mean, you're all the cream of the crop, but what kind of distinguished him from some of the other students that he went up kind of a level from there? You know, I, I think at first glance, he was kind of a, a quintessential academic. I mean, if, if you did a caricature of what an academic looked like, that was Danny. But he was so much more than that. And I think that's really what distinguished him. He, it was his joie de vivre. It was his ability to welcome people, um, welcome ideas and really connect others. So he was able to connect and keep in touch with people from across his lifespan, whether that is like Orly from college or from law school or keeping in touch with people. He, he loved to connect people to other people and um, wasn't afraid to hear differences, wasn't afraid to hear different opinions, different ideas. And instead he just kind of soaked it up, but he was also very willing to give it back. So uh, he was a great listener and a very loyal friend. And um, I, he stood apart in that way. And Dan, uh, uh Hang on, Dave. I'm sorry, I'm getting someone talking in my ear again. Dave, um, where were you when you got news that Dan was murdered in the way that he was? Do you remember where you were that that day? Yeah, it, actually, it was a call from Tamara. She's the one who told me, mm-hmm. and, um, and and I I just almost couldn't believe it. You don't expect your friends to be murdered, and then you immediately think of what could have happened. Like, why would someone kill someone who is so well liked? And, you know, I, I had, I couldn't come up with it. I mean, I did not know of the vitriol that was happening in his personal life. I, um, I knew that, you know, Dan loved to, as, as Tamara said, he loved to have debate and discussion. He had a blog and he would, you know, debate people online. And that's where a lot of the initial you know, questioning was, oh, was it someone who was upset with his policies and stances? Was it a student? Was it someone who had a beef with him because of, you know, just the intellectual rigor that he had? And and then the motive started to come out, that what was happening uh, started to come out. And and uh, it just was shocking and upsetting. And everything that Tamara said was correct about Dan. I mean, look, with a lot of people, when you know you see victims of crime, and then afterwards you see people will extol their virtues. No, Dan really was that great. He was. He was that great. He was brilliant. He was kind to everyone. Uh, no one deserves this fate, but especially not someone like this who had so much to offer, who, who eschewed private law firms where he could have made a lot of money, instead became a professor in a small town. Um, at a state school, I mean, it really, it was, he gave so much to others. Uh, by the way, KDM reminding me it's Thanksgiving in Canada. So happy Thanksgiving to our many Canadian viewers. Uh, beautiful waterfall, y'all. I tried to watch Mentor Lawyer, who's been doing coverage on this, good coverage, uh, his version of the hearing today, but I wasn't focused on it. Did the judge rule on whether Harvey and Donna uh, have to testify? Uh, you're going to have to stay tuned, and we'll tell you the answer to that. But a lot of things came out of this 
uh, hearing today, and uh, hopefully Dave will stay on and dissect that along with Tim Jansen and Judy Tang in just a uh, few moments. But um, Tamara, uh, same question for you. Where were you when you got the news? Obviously, you called Dave Arenberg, but um, it's got to be you know heart wrenching news. Uh, were you in Tallahassee at the time? Did you get a call? How did it come to you? I was working about a mile and a half from Danny's house when it happened. I didn't actually find out until he had passed the next day. Um, and I find out because a law school friend of mine had emailed me and she knew that Dan and I had been close. And she said, I just heard about Dan. Are you okay? And I said, well, heard what? what? What's going on? And I went to Facebook and... I saw some posts and I, I figured out what had happened. It was absolutely devastating. And um, you really don't, as Dave was saying, you don't think that this is going to happen to someone that is close to you. Um, you don't think it's going to become something that has even more layered horror to it, being a murder for hire, having so many new details coming out over time. And, it was it was very traumatic to hear. Um, it was just a tremendous loss, and Tallahassee's a little bit out of the way for some people. So having Dan in Tallahassee was a really big blessing to have such a close friend nearby, um, a close friend on which I on whom I relied, and it broke my heart. And obviously, there were major cracks uh, in the marriage. Uh, I know that you knew uh, Wendy. Um, did you have any idea? Uh, the extent of the problems uh, with their, you know, with their relationship. Yes. Um, I was aware of problems in their relationship. And, and after their divorce, I did also still stay in touch with Wendy, still spend time with her. Um, I did not know the ins and outs of the legal details of their case. Uh, I did go to, Dan had taken me out for my birthday dinner in early June, actually, the, the first attempt, when the first attempt was made, I was out with him to dinner. Um, and he told me then what was going on in his continued custody and divorce uh, aftermath. But I hadn't known the details for, for quite some time. And Dave, did you know? Because you seemed like you were a bit surprised. I mean, a lot of times when marriages are falling apart, you know, people keep it close to the vest. And by the way, uh, I just want to give a special shout out to Ruth Markell, who we were in touch with today via text. Uh, she knows we're doing the show. As a matter of fact, she sent these photos. You see Ruth Markell with her son there, and that is uh, his grandfather. Um, it's it's eerie to me because I have a friend named Josh Mitnick who happened to have passed from cancer at such a young age, a year younger than me. And he's an identical uh he looks exactly like Dan. So every time I see Dan Markell, I see Josh Mitnick. So I'm thinking of Josh Mitnick too. But uh, Dave Arenberg, to you, um, did you have any idea what was kind of going on behind the scenes, so to speak? I I did not. You know, I'm a, I'm a guy, and uh, you know, guys don't <laughs> usually confide in other guys. A lot of the details about their personal lives, you have to be really, really close to someone to get that uh, information like uh, Tamara was, was really probably one of, one of, if not as close as friend. Um, and by the way, when I did hear about it, I was trying to think back, it was from Tam uh, Tamara, but it might've been a text message followed up with a phone call because it was so shocking. 
Uh, but no, I, I knew Wendy separately. I did not know the difficulties uh, that they were having uh, in their post-marriage life. I wasn't uh, privy to all that information. Mm. Um, Tamara, um, you know, he was obviously getting much more into his religion, into Judaism, but he was also just starting out as a father. I mean, he was coming from dropping the kids off at daycare that day and then the gym. Uh, what kind of dad was he? So such a model dad. He was, he just glowed from his kids. I mean, he, they were his life. I mean, they, they, he, he literally, like if you, he started talking about them, he would just light up, um, very involved. He would sing to them at night. Um, he would teach them certainly about religion, but he would take them to the park. He would go for walks with them. Very interactive. Um, it's my understanding that he would actually go into the school to have snack time with his boys, just to have a little bit of extra time to spend with them. So very involved, very caring uh, parent, and he would have done anything for them. Um, every moment with his boys for him was simply precious. Uh, this might be a tough question, Tamara. I'm coming right back at you. But, you know, I live here in Miami, and I have, I have friends that actually go to the same synagogue as Wendy. Uh, they saw her over the high holidays here. Um, does it bother you that she's seemingly going on with her life, you know, unscathed, uh, you know, with the um, assumption that the family, including hers, behind this? It's nine years later. Uh, she's celebrating another New Year, Jewish New Year, and just kind of doing her thing. Does that bother you in any way? It doesn't surprise me. And I think that's probably all I'd like to say about that. Dave Arenberg, got to let you answer that one as well. Uh, she was, you know, Miami well. Uh, she was at the synagogue here. Um, what do you think of that? That, you know, her life continues. Uh, her kids, you know, lives are going to be, I'm sure, altered in a negative way by all this as they move forward and read about this. But what about the fact that the Adelsons so far are just living their lives? Well, what we've heard is that after the murder, um, the kids went to live with Wendy in South Florida, as she had wanted. And they, they, uh, she dropped the Markel name from their last name. So, um, that's one way to wipe out, uh, more, of their history with their father. And they didn't allow Ruth, uh, the grandparents to see the kids. They cut them off from dance out of the family. And the kids are raised as Wendy and her parents wanted them to raise in South Florida. Um, they were raised as Adelson's and uh, Adelson's not, not as Markel's. And it took an act of the legislature, the Florida legislature after enough attention enough notoriety in this case to pass a special law that really only applies to this case where grandparents in such a case get visitation rights. But then it's, it's heartbreaking because I, you know, the reports that the kids were, um, well, the fact that they did not have a great, uh, they still don't have a great relationship with the grandparents. Um, they have not, they don't know exactly the relationship and what's going on. It seems that the intent, if the intent was to 
whitewash the entire Markel family from the kids' lives, well, then it looks like it was mission accomplished. But obviously that could change as the kids get older and justice continues to come. Uh, the most important member of STS Nation, my daughter Vita, nine years old. A couple years ago, she couldn't type. Now she's sending me comments during the podcast. Hi, Joel. Uh, she's the one who says, please hit the like button. I was just going to say, please hit the like button. Gets the algorithm chugging. So do it for my daughter Vita, who's watching with her mother um, and is in the chat. It's the first time ever that you're in the chat. I love it, Vita. You should come in every day and remind people to hit that like button. It gets the algorithm chugging. Um, Tamara, just a couple more questions, and then we'll let you go. And hopefully uh, you're more than welcome to stay, but I know uh, you don't want to talk about the legal stuff. So hopefully Dave will stay a little bit longer. But um, would you ever think, um, you know, nine years on that the literally the world would be glued to this case? I mean, there's going to be a new Dateline episode, the biggest true crime show of all, 2020. Um, the fact that we've got, you know, STS members literally around the world, uh, you know, riveted by this. Did you ever think that his case could garner this kind of attention? And why do you think it has? I think we all have an innate drive toward justice and wanting to see justice done. And in this case, it does not seem that full justice has been done. So I understand the interest in continuing to watch it. As I said, he was a wonderful, great connector of people, different countries, different places, and he had a lot of people who really cared about him. Um, and quite frankly, as a society, the, the concept of being able to hire someone to murder someone else with such ease, without any type of checking of conscience or, or knowing that that might be wrong, doesn't sit well with people. And so this case really needs to be an example. It needs to become a warning that it's not the way that you handle a divorce case, if that is the origin of this that people's lives are valuable and there are other ways to handle situations that are not ideal in marriages or the fallout of them without resorting to something that is not only illegal, but harmful to the children and harmful to everyone who loved him and people who cared about them because people who cared about his friends also watched them go through pain too. So this is something that we as a society need to say, no, this is not something that we can allow. We need to ensure that justice prevails and that this does not happen again. Well put. Um, Dave Arenberg, I, lo I love your dog. We always have a dog on ST. What's your dog's name, Dave? Uh, that is Blue the Doodle, uh, my fiance's dog. Um, it's a golden doodle. And then I've got... Getty the Beagle, who's here too, um, who I adopted after I lost my uh, beloved Cookie the Basset Hound, who Tamara uh, knew. And uh, so, yeah, so uh, three, adopt, don't shop. Three dogs. Um, mazel Tov on the engagement. Big news. Love it. Congrats. Um, what do you What do you think Dan would say about the legal system? How it's played out? That it's taken nine years. Would he understand it? Would he have wanted things to move faster? 
he would have been most concerned about fairness and equity. He would have been um, impressed that so many people care about his case because he would want them to use it as a teaching lesson, as a teachable moment about the law. But yes, I think that he would have been frustrated at the delays because he was about justice and justice delayed is justice denied, even though I do think eventually we'll get justice here. Um, it is, it's a slow lumbering process, but you know, he would want people to learn from this case about, you know, the rules of evidence and about just the principles of fairness and the burden of proof and reasonable doubt. He, he would have, he would have enjoyed that and he would have been a little bit shy about being the center of it. He would not have wanted uh, this to be about him. He would want this to be about the justice system and to make sure that you know, maybe this could be a lesson for people about the system. It should be more transparent. And ultimately, he would want justice to be done. But if you talk to Ruth, you can see the words of Dan comes to her where she is all about fairness and equity and, and, and burdens of proof and evidence. And that's different than most victims of crime who I work with, who really um, are not as familiar with the criminal justice system. And they just um, are not as concerned with process as with just getting a guilty verdict. I had no idea today was John Lennon's birthday as well. Dan Markell shares a birthday with John Lennon. If that is, if today is in fact John Lennon's birthday, which I'm sure it is, uh, this person, Shivani, who's a friend of the show, it feels as if he's been gone for only a minute despite so much time passing. Uh, Tamara, final question. Um, you know, this is a kind of a cautionary tale. You never know when your last conversation with someone is going to be that you love. What would you say to Dan if he was still here and your final thoughts uh, about him on his birthday? Well, I would tell him that I miss him and that um, I've missed spending these years and also being able to watch him be a dad to his boys and watch them as they grow. Um, I would thank him for being such a, a truly a wonderful and loyal friend for so many years. And I would want him to know that not just me, but many of us are still thinking of him, still caring about him. And we'll continue to seek justice for him and for anyone who would come afterwards who might be in his position as well. Tamara Demko, uh, another brilliant mind from Harvard. Thank you for coming on. Uh, appreciate it. Um, I'm going to bring you out and uh, say goodbye. And I'm going to bring Tim and Judy in. And uh, thank you, Tamara. And uh, here he is, Tim Jansen. Judy Tsang, just like that. Judy, you're muted, so uh, have you unmute yourself. Um, and Dave, I know you're a busy man, so as much time as you want to give us, uh, appreciate it. But uh, on to the hearing today. For those who do not know, uh, in addition to being Dan's, uh, what would be his 51st birthday today, um, there was a hearing, and uh, our man Tim Jansen, uh, he was not in court today, but Tim Jansen uh, has all the lowdown. Uh, Judge Stephen Everett presided. Uh, did anything, Tim, jump out at you today uh, that you weren't expecting? And we'll get into the specifics of uh, what they discussed today because there were some pretty important matters uh, at hand. Well, it is pretty interesting because um, the Jeffrey Lacoste is out as hearsay. The Dolce Vita tapes, the judge is going to give a limiting instruction to the jury that the first 31 minutes is not available and some of the context between the parties 
So he's going to give him a limiting instruction. The wires, he's reserved ruling. The divorce as a motive has limited admissibility. Only certain parts are going to be admitted. The Donna um, haunting from the grave. It's, he's given the state a day to be able to tie that to some action that Charlie took to make it no longer hearsay. Um, the phone, um, uh, what the lawyers, how they called, that is out. That was not objected to the previous trial with Katie. And it's interesting, the state had their own motion limine. They want to keep out, and the judge granted it, any mention of gang affiliation with the Latin Kings for Jose Rivera, which is going to be curious because the whole bump talks about language, my brother. So I don't know how that's going to work out. Um, there's an issue on the interviewing the mother and the father. And I believe that I don't know if they're going to have time unless they continue the trial, because I think the defense lawyer is probably going to appeal it because a state subpoena doesn't garner you federal immunity. Um, and unless they can word it where they get federal immunity at the same time, um, in the Winchester case, I did that. I made sure we had immunity from both. Uh, so I think that's a bit gamesmanship, to tell you the truth. I don't think either party's going to call the mother or the father. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Judy Tsang, uh, you're joining us. You've been on this more than anyone. You're an attorney as well. Uh, Judy's YouTube channel is Asian American Legal Focus. Um, she'll challenge the Harvard guys. She'll challenge the Harvard guys. Judy, um, you know, Tim just listed off a litany of things. We'll go back through it kind of one by one. But uh, what stood out to you about the hearing today? Oh, well, first, I could have sworn the judge did not just flat out say Lacoste couldn't testify. I thought that the judge just said Lacoste could not testify about what. No, you're correct. Be. You're correct. The yeah. hearsay statements by Lacoste are not admissible. Yes, the stuff yeah. about Wendy said Charlie looked into all the options, yeah, including mm -hmm. a getting a hitman. So, um, yeah, I thought nothing was really surprising to me during during the hearing, other than the fact that they said Isom is not going to be a witness. So do you know anything about that, Tim? Well, Craig is retired, so mm -hmm. and I haven't been to Taco Tuesday lately to see him, <laughs> but um, I don't know if they really need him. They probably want to put Pat Sanford, the FBI agent, up there. Um, and I'm trying to think, uh, Pat probably had more to do with the case against Charlie. So I don't know. I don't, I haven't heard, but I'm sure George is trying to pare it down and try to keep it close, tight knit circumstantial evidence case. And you know, Craig, Craig can be, you know, come off not as serious. He's got a great sense of humor, but he's not as polished as agent, uh, Sanford. Mm -hmm. uh, Mary Benny became a new YouTube member. If you can support us on Patreon or become a YouTube member, put a lot of sweat equity into this, as they say. But if you can't, you guys have been doing an amazing job. Either way, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that really helps us a lot in terms of being able to get sponsorships and advertisers. So please, 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 if you have an extra minute, please leave us a five-star review. Um, 
Dave Arenberg, we're getting close here. October 23rd is uh, jury selection, voir dire, all that good stuff that's coming up in just a couple of weeks. Um, you just heard Tim Jansen, who's uh, probably the best-known criminal defense attorney out of Tallahassee, you know, kind of give us a litany of what went on, and we'll get into some of the specifics. But what do you think is so key kind of going into this trial uh, for the state to uh, come out triumphant here? Well, first off, kudos to the panel. You guys uh... – both provided some really important information. And uh, I mean, I still think, I think the case is strong. I think that uh, they've got some good evidence. The, uh, the, it was a Dolce Vita tape. Uh, it's interesting. I'd love to know what they're excluding the first, uh, thir- you said, uh, Tim, the first 31 minutes. I'd love to know what they're exactly excluding from that. No, no, it was, it, it was missing. They were unable to oh. get it taped. So it's, it's 31 minutes missing. Okay. And that's okay because the stuff that I heard online was pretty damning. And it, when you know when when they eventually put Katie on the stand, and and I think that's going to happen. And they they tried to uh, the defense tries to call her a liar. That tape is corroborating evidence. It shows that he's the guy pulling the strings. I mean, it's hard to listen to that tape to watch it and not think that this is the guy who's the puppet master here. So we'll see. And I say this all allegedly because it has not been tried yet, but. The, the motive, the means, the opportunity, the, just the payments, uh, the, the comments, not just in that tape. There's the other tape where he's with his uh, father. And I just think his own words are going to come back to hurt him. He's not, I don't think he's going to come across very likable. Um, he, he'll come across some rich guy who thought he could buy himself uh, an end to his sister's problems. And I say that allegedly. But uh, ultimately, I trust Georgia, too. She's an excellent prosecutor, and I think she's got this. But in the end, um, the defense is going to have to struggle, I think, to explain why Katie would do this with Tuto and Tato without Charlie being involved. Like, why? Why would she do that? And and it doesn't make any sense in any, any other explanation except that the one that is the most obvious – which is the one George was going to use at trial. Uh, Judy, uh, Brianna says, Wendy benefit. Brianna's a friend of the show, by the way, always here. Appreciate it. Wendy benefited the most financially in Dan's murder to live her life in comfort. Uh, obviously, this is a trial about Charlie Adelson, but is this something that they might bring up, that the state might bring up? And, you know, I'm just curious myself. Um mm-hmm. And Dave could obviously speak to this, but when the state is building its case, Judy, are they also building future cases while while trying this one? Sure, I I hope so. I would concede to Dave to get his expert opinion, but even the judge mentioned that motive can have many tears to it, so it could have been like a whole family affair where the whole group of the Adelsons had this motive to get rid of Dan, and the motive came from the divorce case. So, sure, I think so. Yeah, uh, Dave, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer to you on that. I mean, this is an interesting comment, but um, is Georgia going to paint sort of a broader stroke picture here during this mm-hmm. trial with the thought that she's trying to net other Adelsons to try them next? I, I think she's going to focus – on Charlie. And if bringing in the family helps get a conviction of Charlie, then she will do so. But she's not going to bring up the other family members as a way to try to get them 
uh, tried next. Like she's not thinking to the next trial. She's thinking only about this one and only to the extent of helping to convict Charlie will she mention the other family members' involvement. Um, and, and by the way, I, I'm going to leave you with good hands because Judy and Tim are outstanding. And I'm sorry that uh, I'm going to have to go from this episode, but I hope you'll have me back, my friend. Dave, you're a regular. You're a friend of the show. You're a mensch. Thank you so much. Thank you for thank talking you. about Dan. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to Ruth, more importantly. So thank you. Thank you. Be well. Uh, there you go. The Florida State Attorney, Dave Arenberg. Bonnie Lee Lopez says, Dave, thank you for sharing your memories of Danny's. I hope he somehow knows how much his death has affected people all over the world. Um, Tim Jansen, to you, uh, this is, I was getting nervous with Dave Arenberg around the guys of Florida State Attorney. So uh, now I feel like my parents have left and I can have a party at my house. Uh, Grimly Fiendish says, if Katie has proof that the Adelsons paid for her lawyers, he should be convicted easily. Um, is there any chance that we get a uh, a bombshell here um, of some sort from the X Factor, which would be Katie McBanawa, and we find out that she's got receipts somehow? Um, any chance that that happens, in your opinion? Zero. I think there's one <laughs> percent chance Katie takes the stand. I think there's zero percent that Harvey and Donna will take the stand. The only chance that Katie will be called will be in rebuttal. Um, otherwise, Katie, my understanding, is not going to be called as a witness. So 1% chance. And uh, Judy, are you surprised by that? Um, well, I mean, once again, I feel like I'm kind of outclassed here because Tim. I Judy, you're saw, never outclassed. No, I, I saw on Tim's website today where he had these glowing reviews from his former clients. They're saying this is the best attorney in Tallahassee. He got me out of this horrible situation. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would like to hear what Katie has to say, but I totally understand maybe the state just has her on reserve to see what Charlie's defense is going to be. Then they'll just play it by ear. Uh, Tim, Go Georgia says, I was surprised it did not call uh, Tamara Demko, who was just on our show. Mm -hmm. and she might be listening here because I still see her in the in, uh, backstage here, and I hope she is. Uh, she would be such an asset in justice for Dan. Uh, how come you, you don't think she's on that witness list, Tim? And I should have asked her that. I, guess. I don't know how much relevant she had. Um, certainly she could be if there's a sentencing for victim impact, but I don't think she had much, and I missed part of it, much relevance. You know, she said she didn't talk much about Wendy's divorce and their, their issues. So I'm sure if Georgia thought she could, um, use her, she would. I mean, clearly someone that knew Dan better than anybody. Uh, so let's kind of go through this step by step here. So, so num piece number one here, the Dolce Vita tapes, those, of course, are uh, part of, uh, you know, FBI wiretaps. And it's Katie and Charlie talking uh, furtively, uh, inferring a lot of things uh, on those tapes. They had to be uh, enhanced audio wise. Um, Judy, to you, I mean, what how problematic is this from uh, a defense standpoint that they are admissible? I think it really sinks Charlie's ship. I mean, that's my opinion. Because it's it's not just Dolce Vita or the Matsuri. Um, I would say it's all those wiretap calls, which Fancy Fiction has graciously put together on her YouTube channel. I think I've listened to everything that she has to offer. 
And there are just so many phone calls between Charlie and Katie, you know, freaking out. There's a phone call between Charlie and some friend right after Sigfredo Garcia got arrested, where Charlie is really bummed out. You know, it sounds like his friend knew about this whole uh, murder conspiracy and was commiserating with Charlie. So, you know, there's there's just so much more evidence, I think. Uh, Cookie Ramiol says, good to see Tamara again. She gave the TPD, Tallahassee PD, full insight into suspects. Uh, prayers for your nephews. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Um, so Dolce Vita, the enhanced audio tapes are in, Tim, but the transcripts yeah. are out. Why? The problem we have with the transcripts are in a trial. If neither party can agree to the transcript, then either party can have their own transcript and they play it when they want to do it, or they don't get a transcript because the judge under a 403 says it's not fair because both parties don't agree to it. I think the Dolce Vita, and if I was Georgia, I would focus on the Dolce Vita where he's trying to talk Katie into paying the people, right? Because they didn't mention his name, but that you pay him as a charity. It shows how he's trying to manipulate people on the outside to protect himself and his family, which is consistent with his role in this murder. And I don't think he can get away from that if they listen to the tape. And if she mentions that in the opening and when they hear it, I think she's going to get a lot of points with that jury. Hmm. Uh, Cliff Frankenberger says, I thought Jansenberger was on the menu tonight. You had to wait, and now you have Tim Jansenberger. I like that name. I may call him Tim Jansenberger now. Followed here by Yala, who says, what's keeping Tim the goat Jansen? I had to stick uh, Tim in that waiting room while we uh, heard from friends of Dan Markell, but here he is. Uh, Burning Queen says the mods on this show are the best. I have to agree, uh, as are the guests. Best guests, better community, as I like to say. Judy, um, so the divorce, you know, the the uh, sort of the framework of the divorce and what was going on, that is going to be admissible as well. There was some talk they're not going to let, you know, all the divorce proceedings and what went on in that situation be admitted, but it looks like it will be admissible. admissible. Again, that's got to be uh, – helpful to the state, doesn't it? And not the defense? Yes, yes, definitely. And, and expand why. What 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 about the divorce proceedings uh, can impact uh, the jurors in a way that they might go ahead and ultimately yeah. convict? Charlie? Well, as the state prosecutor argued today, it has to do with the motive, you know, what what they allege caused Charlie to allegedly start this conspiracy or take part in this conspiracy to murder Dan. So it shows how how acrimonious things were, um, the timeline of things with the relocation being denied in July of 2013, I believe, followed by all the motions that Dan filed before he was killed. Uh, Tim Jansen, your take on uh, the divorce and it being uh, admitted into evidence or being able to be admitted into evidence? Well, I think not all of it is, but I think it is important to motivation and motive. You have to tie, why would Charlie be involved in this relationship? Why would a man who's an oral surgeon from South Florida hire some hitman to kill his sister's husband? And I think they could tie him knowing how close the family is, the communications, the mother's sadness, the mother's 
uh, anger at um, Dan clearly shows a motive for him. Tim, I love when you go into character and you're obviously a defense attorney, but let's say you're Georgia Kaplan you don't have to do a high pitched voice. How do you start your opening statements, Tim Jansen, to the jurors? Oh, I think I would start by saying, ladies and gentlemen, the only reason we're here today is because of this brother that's sitting here. He decided he was going to help his sister. His mother had decided they had enough. I'm already convicting, Tim. I'm already convicting, but go ahead, Tim. They decided to hire a hitman, but they didn't want to tie their hands to it because they're too smart. He's an oral surgeon. So what did he do? He used people he could manipulate. And then he he manipulated this poor woman, put her on payroll. He's given her gifts in the past. He's talked about giving this old card she doesn't need. And at the same time, he's he's orchestrating things. And then when it, everything goes down, he goes to meet with her. And then he further tries to get her involved by get her to call the bump, get her to do everything while he's sitting in the background. But his background is no longer around. He's at front at the table. And you're going to hear what he said. You're going to see what he did. You're going to see who he paid, how he paid these people with stapled money. He's got a girlfriend that said he had staples on money. It all fits. He's the ringleader. He's the leader of this. Guilty. Guilty. Uh, Jay Stuckey says, great show. Yale is the best. I'm glad that Tamara and Dan are, Tamara might be listening and she's probably laughing. I am so sad for the Markel family. No one deserved this. Shout out to the Prosecutors Podcast. They won Best Podcast at CrimeCon. One of them went to Harvard and the other went to Yale. So they've got both covered there. Um, I've got neither. And I like my show better, but that's a whole other story. Um, what do you think of those opening statements from Georgia, Tim Jansen, Kaplman, Judy? What do you think of that? Um, I'm really impressed that Tim could come up with that on the fly. I don't know if you rehearsed this before the show. but I didn't ask him, no. He just does that on the fly. It's crazy, That's pretty right? amazing. Shows what a good trial lawyer <laughs> she is. Yeah. That's what, ha- that's what happens after all these years. By the way, Laura Waldy says, I'm listening in the background. She lives in Canada as I'm at Thanksgiving dinner right now. Much love and prayers to the people of Israel tonight. Love and hugs to everyone. Please make sure your entire extended family become subscribers to both my channel and Judy's Asian American Legal Focus. Uh, don't leave dinner without doing that. I will. Um, admit, I was a federal prosecutor for five years. Yeah. So- I've, I've had some experience on that side. Yeah, you're used to it. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yep. Well, later I'm going to have you do the defense, Tim. But Bonnie Lee Lopez says, yeah. friend of the show, by the way, justice for Danny. I've been sad all day thinking of this man I never met, wanting so desperately to see justice served to all the Adelsons and to see his boys reunite with his family. I mean, Judy, same question I asked Tamara. Why do you think um, Dateline's doing another two hours and 2020 is doing a show on this? And the world here you know you've got ireland in this uh chat right here you've got israel in the chat you have scotland in the chat i think mm-hmm. australia is here why do you think people all around the world are interested in this case judy yeah well i think ruth markell basically described it in her book that this case has so many things that interest people you know like fancy cars rich people poor people plastic surgery you know mm-hmm. sunny beaches miami you know, custody problem, divorce problems. So I think there are so many facets of this case that really draw in tons of different people. Mm. Uh, Look who's in the house here. MC Spunky, that's what I was calling him, but 
course, it's Mick Spunky. Uh, he says, I've been skulking in the shadows. Shout out to Mick Spunky. He's been giving some people uh, gifted memberships to uh, STS. So thank you for that. Appreciate it. Uh, Tim Jansen from Brianna here. She wants to know, great question, how does the district attorney, the attorney general, and the U.S. prosecutors work together in Tallahassee? Well, the attorney general doesn't really, I mean, they got a statewide uh, a prosecutor's office. They're not really involved in local prosecutions. The district, the U.S. prosecutors will work with them. Um, we have, we don't have a permit. Well, we do. He's not appointed by the president, confirmed. But he's a career prosecutor, and he works with Jack Campbell, the elected state attorney. Um, they do talk regularly, and they discuss cases. And a lot of cases, they make decisions on the criminal history of the person and whether they can get more jail time in fed than in state. Um, I know on this case that the FBI wanted this case to originally go fed, um, but some reason it went to the state. And I don't know why, but I know Agent Sanford wanted it to go fed the whole time. Uh, Catherine Regier in Maui, hope you're doing better, asking about my daughter. She calls you Joel um, occasionally. Unfortunately, uh, my kids need to learn some respect, some respect. I hope she's listening. They call me hey, a Joel. lot of things. So I'll, I'll take Joel. Uh, they've called, they call me worse. Um, and by the way, Susan Wood, listen to Vita and hit that like button. Um, and look at this, Jay Stuckey. It's a family affair. I love your show. It's truly a family show. That is amazing. Yeah, everyone helps out. Uh, we do it all together. Uh, June Umchinida. Um, um, I always pronounce I always, I can never pronounce it. Judy, tell everyone who she is. And today, uh, her haunted from the grave comment is, we find out, will be allowed in as evidence. So just let everyone know what that's all about. And what do you think about the fact that it's going to be admissible? Sure. Well, I mean, that's what I expected, because just as the state argued, it's not being offered to show or to prove that Dan really was haunting the family from the grave. So this was Charlie's on-again, off-again girlfriend for maybe a year and a half or so. Uh, seems like he was always cheating on his different girlfriends anyway, but she was the one who had told police investigators back in 2018 that she had seen Charlie's, you know, constantly stapling cash or that was his routine to staple cash and that, um, you know, it seemed like they just never wanted to talk about Dan Markell. They just had this attitude that, oh, he's dead, so who cares? Um, she also said a bunch of other really interesting things in her police interview, but um, that would probably take a whole show to discuss. Um, but I, I hope well, she give us give, give us a little taste of some of the other things. Hmm. Okay. One or two. Let me try to think of some interesting. <laughs> well, she did say toward the end of her interview that when this whole brouhaha came up with all the arrests and stuff, <laughs> sorry for my voice as usual, back in 2016, that she told Charlie, hey, why don't you look at your horoscope? So he looked at his horoscope and it said something like something you did in the past will come back to you or come back to bite you, something to that effect. And he said something like, oh, isn't that on point? So I thought that was an interesting thing. She also said that he typically would have a little bag of clothes ready in case he got 
arrested. He started having lots of anxiety and um, mood problems, mood changes after Sigfredo got arrested. Mm. So that's just some of it. And uh, so I think the court ruled that the haunting from the grave, that he gave them a, a day to provide evidence that Charlie took some action as a result of that. So what they're trying to get is a hearsay exception. They're going to say it's not offered for the truth, Judge. It's offered to show why Charlie did something. Mm. And that would be what's called a hearsay exception. Okay. And, and so does he still have to rule on that? That's what I don't understand. No, he, still- gave, he gave the state a day to supplement the record so he can make I, I see. Okay. Uh, Melinda Nagawaka, I'm bad with names, obviously. Thinking of Carm, cannot believe she has to watch this unbelievable invasion and horror again in her lifetime. May you all feel the comfort of many who are praying for you. There was actually my dear mother's 84. Uh, There's video of an 85-year-old Holocaust survivor being taken hostage. It's worth worth Googling because this woman uh, reminds me a lot of my mom, and uh, she did not look fearful at all. My mom would tell you she would be fearful, but my mom would handle it much better than me. I can tell you that. But this Holocaust survivor just looked at the terrorists in disgust and went with them. But you can tell what she's been through, and she's not going to take any you-know-what from them. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this woman is giving them an earful. I have a feeling Carm, my lovely mom, would be giving them an earful too. But uh, the fact that they're taking an 85-year-old Holocaust survivor hostage is all you need to know about the kind of people they are. Um, KCL here says, I wholeheartedly agree with uh, Tamara. What happened to Darren Markell is not okay. This is not how to bully and get your way by murdering your ex-spouse. Never uh, the right thing. Jay Stuckey, I love to hear this. Thanks. I'll definitely be a regular here for now. This is truly sad on so many levels. Please, uh, best thing you guys can do is please share the show uh, with friends. I was talking to people today uh, with someone who's asking me about podcasting. Uh, we really didn't become true crime until November of last year. And we built an unbelievable community that's still growing. But if you guys can share the show with friends, uh, that is the best gift uh, that, that one can give uh, STS. Um, Tim Jansen, the airport comment, uh, as I understand it, will be admissible. What's that about and why is that important? Well, it says we basically it's got him saying we we'd already be at the airport. And the defense lawyer is going to say, well, what does that mean? They got tickets to the Super Bowl. Does it mean that, hey, they got evidence? There's no context to put it in. But I think the court's letting it in and let the jury determine what relevance to give it, give ample leeway on cross-examination. And when in doubt, give an instruction to the jury. Uh, You consider it whatever context you believe is best. And it's your memory that and your opinion that matters. I see these comments and I just want to clear one thing. When I say I don't think that Katie's going to testify, it's not because I don't ask the readers and the listeners, would you put Katie on the stand if you were the prosecutor, if she could hurt your case? Okay. And if the answer is no, then if this case goes and Georgia does not put Katie on the stand, Rest assured, it's because Katie could only hurt the case. If Katie could help the case, we would have heard about it. The proffer would have been leaked. Um, And it's it's just not happening. 
So I know David said that, oh, she's going to testify. That's wishful thinking. But if she's bad, Georgia's not going to put her up there, neither will Sarah. So if I'm wrong, I'll come out and apologize. But my analysis, Katie's not taking that witness stand. Uh, Tim's been around. Uh, you saw him just riff on uh, opening statements there, and he did a good job. He's been around, so I wouldn't be surprised to find out that Tim Jansen is, in fact, correct. We will know in a couple of weeks. Uh, Jay says evil people like the Adelsons will re-assassinate their victims by poisoning the children's good memories of the murdered parent. Judy, you care to comment on that? Um, you know, you heard Tamara say how they changed uh, the last name of the children. Um do you think that the kids have been sort of re-injured over and over? They're not allowed to see Ruth, who's the grandmother, or very infrequently at the very least. Um, what do you think of that statement from Jay? Yeah. Well, I mean, I have no idea what's really been going on with the kids. So, I mean, but just based on what June had said to investigators, probably the family just doesn't even talk about Dan. You know, they just want the kids to forget about him. So that's why it kind of made me feel good when I heard about Ruth and her um, and Phil bringing photographs of Dan when they did get to meet with the kids last year to be able to show them pictures of their father and tell them about him. Uh, and Tim, just clarify this about Jeff Lacoste, because Lady Cymbeline was wanting to know if he's out completely to what extent. No, not completely, but some of the hearsay statements are not going to be admissible. You know, just when someone tells you something, you can't just repeat it because there's a confrontation problem. It's got to fit a hearsay exception. And if it doesn't fit a hearsay exception, it's not fair to the other party. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tricky rule of evidence, and people that do it all the time try to find ways. And one of the ways is any, any prosecutor learns this. I did as a federal prosecutor. Judge, it's not offered for the truth. It's only to show why somebody did something. Oh, okay, then it's admissible. As long as it's not offered for the truth, the judge will let it in. Uh, Tim, back to Brianna, bringing up uh, interesting points. I believe Harvey could be called by the defense. What do you think, Tim? Harvey? Yep. I don't think any Adelsons are going to be called as witnesses except maybe Charlie. Uh, here's uh look at this Frankie Figs putting up Judy's YouTube oh, channel. Thank there. you. Yeah, there you go. There it is. Um, Judy, Tim has gone on the record about this and not a very popular, uh, <laughs> you know, assessment from him. But he does not think uh, other Adelsons are going to be charged in this case. What do you think? Well, I mean, based on what Tim and Jeremy <laughs> have said, they're the ones there in Florida. So, I mean, that would make me very sad and disappointed, though. I mean, I feel like at the very least, Donna should be arrested. I think there's plenty of evidence about her and her involvement. Um, Wendy, you know, I mean, there's just like so many defenses she could come up with for all these reasons or bad things that she's done after Dan died. But I mean, I would feel pretty bad if it just ended with Charlie. Uh, and Tim, I, I'm assuming um, if there's a quit an acquittal, and I'm saying that hypothetically, then everything's kind of, pardon the pun, dead in the water if there was an acquittal, right? They wouldn't move oh, forward with anything. If they acquitted Charlie, yeah. 
Because okay. the strongest case they have against all the Adelsons against Charlie. Okay. Now, if they do convict Charlie, which is what almost everyone thinks will happen, um, is there a chance after the conviction that there's more um, steam and more leverage and that they do possibly move forward? Uh, can it can it hinge on a conviction, I guess, is my question. They're going to need more because if they had more or enough, they would have charged them already. Because then they can get these statements in by co-conspirators. These hearsay, hearsay statements would be admissible as co-conspirators' statements. Um, I just don't believe the state feels they have enough evidence to prosecute Wendy or her mother. Um, and remember, double jeopardy, if you try him and you lose, you can never try him again. There's no statute of limitations. So while sitting out there, they're waiting for something to happen, something happens, you could always prosecute them. But if you're trying them and lose, then you you lose. Uh, Law Law RN, question for Mr. Jansen to to Miss Law RN. Wendy's own statements, uh, she says her brother stated about the hitman. So can that come in through Wendy, just not Jeff Lacoste? What say you, Tim Jansen? I think Wendy's been called an unindicted co-conspirator. Um, I think they portrayed her as that, and they could probably argue. Um, I think it come. I think it could come in. I think the judge would let that in. They're letting it in motive, and the brother had made comments about a hitman. And in a case where you have a hitman, I think it tends to help a jury decide whether or not that's that can help them make a decision. Uh, KCL, I think she's coming to us from Salt Lake, friend of the show, on here frequently. Uh, to you, Judy, when speaking about Lu- uh, Luis Rivera today in the hearing, Daniel Rashbaum said he didn't want to share his defense in open court. Could Charlie's defense center around placing blame back on Luis Rivera and Sigfredo Garcia, the two convicted hitmen? Uh, I have no idea, but I don't think that would be a winning argument because why would these two guys who didn't even know Dan, why would they go up there to kill him? So, I mean, I, I still, my educated guess is that Ratchbaum will probably be happy to point fingers at Wendy because Rivera only mentioned Wendy during his proffers. Uh, look at Jay Stuckey. Could someone send a link or something so I can provide a five-star rating? Uh, COE, I hope you're on that. Um, we're on, if you go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you just put in Surviving the Survivor, by the way, you're talking to the least tech-savvy guy in the world, it'll pop up and then there should be a place, there should be a place for you to um, put in uh, a review. And again, five-star reviews on the audio side help us immensely. Um Tim Jansen, I mean, Judy just made a great point. What in the world would Luis Rivera and Sigfredo Garcia have anything to do with Dan Markell if it was not for the Adelsons? Isn't that just an argument that Georgia has to, you know, kind of bring home over and over again? I mean, they didn't they didn't know him. Why would they go up there and kill him, right? Well, defense, you know, they want to throw any any red herring, any rabbit trail they can get a jury to go for. A lot of their questioning will determine on what the answers are on direct and cross. A good defense lawyer can change his strategy and not tie himself in an in a opening so that you can find another way to get the not guilty or beyond a reasonable doubt that they can't make it. Um, I'm sure he'll try to point it at them, but but these people had no ties to, to the Professor Markell. 
Uh, the only person that had ties would have been Katie and Wendy and the Adelson. I don't think it'll get too far, but I'm not going to say he might not try it. By the way, I was sitting in bed the other night as a true crime junkie I am. I put on Netflix and they've got all new episodes of Cold Case Files hit play. And who do I see? But Tim Jansen. They were doing the old Brian Winchester story. And uh, Tim was his defense attorney. Big case out of Tallahassee where they killed uh, the husband. And uh, the guy, of course, married the widow. Um, and good old Tim Jansen. Uh, is she she's still in prison, Tim? He got full immunity. He got full immunity. Thanks to uh, Tim Jansen. Um, look at this. Jay Stuckey became a YouTube member. Uh, and then do you think Wendy will testify? Same as usual. What do you think, Judy? Oh, <laughs> I would like to ask Tim a couple of questions. But Go for it. I, well, number one, yes, I think Wendy will testify, but I know that's very controversial, so whatever. But I want to ask Tim while we have him here. Thank you so much, Tim, for your expertise. And I'm sorry some people are really negative towards you, but we all appreciate you. Um, so my question is, why is the FBI involved in this? Because it's a state case, right? But yet... Donna and Harvey's interviews were going to be scheduled at the FBI office. Right. And do you know? Well, because I think the FBI would be doing the interviewing and they wanted to take it to the location where Pat Sanford, who's still working with the FBI, has the most knowledge about the case. Um, he would probably be there doing the cross-examination or the, the interviewing. Um mm -hmm. I understand he was the one that also did the proffer with Katie McDonald. So, mm -hmm. um, and Isom's retired. So, mm -hmm. uh, and Pat's a, Pat was the one that uncovered in the videos on the buses and was able to locate the car. He spent hours and hours looking through videos and videos um, and found that, that Prius. Uh, and then mm -hmm. it went from there. So, and then they did the whole, the, um, they did the whole phone where they, all the phones that were in that area and then they singled it down. And then, so it was, it was pretty good. It's good investigative work. And Pat is a very good investigator. Mm -hmm. But you know? why wouldn't they just have someone from Tallahassee's police department do that? Well, because the guy that handled the case retired. Oh, okay. Craig retired. He was the lead okay. agent. He retired and mm -hmm. they probably would have to pay him now. Fee. I've had DEA agents under covers when they retire. They got they mm -hmm. they like it because they get paid an hourly fee to review their transcripts mm -hmm. when they're retired. So I don't know where where Craig is. Uh, they might just felt that Pat's a better witness on the stand. Okay, thanks. I'm um, guessing. You know, they can tell me. By the way, uh, McSpunky, where'd this go? I got to read this one for Tim. Tim has great hair. I'm intimidated by him as well as Judy. There you go from McSpunky, otherwise known as MC Spunky. Uh, Tim Jansen, hypothetically, if an offer was made to Charlie to plea and give up his mother and sister as the principals in this conspiracy, making him the middleman, do you think he would do it? Um, I got to be honest. I've thought about this myself. If I'm facing life in prison, do I throw Carm under the bus at 84 years old? Uh, Donna's younger. And my sister, it's a tough call. Uh, I'm very fearful of prisons. Charlie might be a little tougher than me. I don't know. But what, what do you think, Tim? Don't we think Charlie's a narcissist? Yes. And don't we think Charlie loves himself more than anybody in that family? Yes. Charlie is not going to give up his mother 
Um, I just don't see him doing it. And I don't think his lawyer is going to do it. And I think if they would have, they probably would have done it already. But I don't think they're going to offer him anything. Because you look at the prosecutor, if it wasn't for him, there wouldn't have been these people. Like in the Winchester matter. In that case, if it wasn't for the wife pressuring Brian to get the insurance money, there wouldn't have been a murder. So whoever did it, Charlie or Wendy or the mother, they were the impetus for this crime. Not Lewis and not Sigfredo. They don't know Dan Marco from nothing. Uh, Peanut Gallery says, great name, by the way. Why go through the trouble of bringing Katie back to Leon County? Tim Jansen, that's your world. Why are they bringing Katie McBanawa? Why did they? I think October 9th, which is today, was the day that they were going to transport her into Leon County. She might be very close to you, Tim. How come if they're not going to use her? Because Georgia is smart. She's got a lot of witnesses on there that she's not going to call. But if she something happens in the trial and she wants to call them, she can't call them because they're not on the witness list. The fans will yell, hey, we didn't know she's going to be a witness. We didn't get a chance to depose her. But if you have everybody there, just like the defense has a bunch of people on his witness list, he's not calling half of them. He won't call a third of them. But you have to have him subpoenaed. She's only my, my guess is she's going to be there as a rebuttal. And my understanding is if they call Katie to the stand, the state's case is in big trouble because they do not want to call her. She's got a lot of credibility problems, and she doesn't offer anything more than the trouble she can cause at a trial. Um. Beautiful waterfall over here on the side. By the way, Gloria Bennett, bulk host, thank you. Finally caught alive. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Beautiful waterfall says, I think Katie's participation on the wiretap calls is strong enough, Katie, testimony, unless she's packing some new smoking gun evidence we haven't heard yet. Do you agree with that, Judy? Just the mere fact that she's talking mm-hmm. on those uh, wiretaps? Yeah, I, I think that's pretty strong because, like I said, there are these phone calls between Charlie and Katie, where they're kind of joking about, you know, him saying, hey, and you're cleaning up the office, aren't you? You know, and then she's talking about how maybe he should give her a boat or, you know, don't be, what did, what did she say? Like, don't be a jerk or a-hole to somebody who helped you out or did something for you, you know, just both of them freaking out about the bump. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of wiretap calls that, I hope would come in and also be evidence. Uh, Ashley, very kind of you a super sticker here. Appreciate that very much. Um, and look at this go Georgia, giving us a super sticker as well. You're getting a good breakdown here from Tim and Judy. And look at this from uh, Thanksgiving in Canada. Thank you, Joel for STS best host and true crime. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, trying to, Live up to that every day. And uh, Tim Jansen. Um, so that was kind of the uh, the gist of what went on in court. But we yeah. might be back in court on Thursday. Um, this is interesting. Um, Georgia Kappelman, the prosecutor, lead, lead prosecutor in this case, wants to now hold Donna and Harvey in contempt of court. Please explain this and what might happen on Thursday. And uh, before you do that, here you go. You're looking at him right there. Donna on the left, Wendy in the middle, 
Harvey on the right in his dental. That's the only photo that I can find anywhere in the world of Harvey Adelson. But go ahead, Tim Jansen. All right. So think about this. You're the prosecutor and George is very thorough. Why did she wait till like about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, want to to interview George, uh, Harvey and Donna? Why would she wait? Why would she wait that late past the discovery deadline to interview them? Could it be because once the defense gave their witness list, oh, there's Harvey and Donna on it. Does she want to find out what they're going to say? Is that why she's doing this? If they were her witness, all evidence is she's never interviewed them. She's never talked to them. Maybe she's just making being thorough. But the thing about that is the lawyer can file an appeal. That appeal will not be heard in two weeks. Then Georgia's got to make a decision, right? Do I not call them? Do we move forward with this trial? Um, I don't think either party is going to call them. It wouldn't behoove uh, Charlie to call his mom and dad. Why would he do that? How, how is that going to benefit him? It won't. So I, I think it's a bit of gamesmanship on both sides that's done in every trial. Sometimes they get the one party do, thinking something else, occupy their time. Uh, I think she did it with Katie. And I think he's doing it with the Adelsons. So. Uh, Angela says, Tim Jansen, great opening, great hair, great dogs, um, covering all the bases. Um, Judy, what about this uh, threat of, you know, contempt of court for uh, invoking the Fifth Amendment uh, as it pertains to Don and Harvey? Where do you think that goes anywhere? Um, I defer to Tim. I'm sorry. It's not really my area of expertise. But, you know, people are wondering if the questioning is going to happen or if Donna and Harvey have to be there Thursday. So that I know they don't have to be there Thursday. It's through Zoom. And the judge did say that their attorney could come. It's not just Donna and Harvey. Uh, KCL says, uh, Tim here, and you've been part of some high-profile cases. I'm glad it's a state case so we can get cameras in the courtroom uh, rather than federal where they don't allow cameras. Uh, right. Tim Jansen, what kind of, um, I don't know, what kind of X factor differentiator is it uh, for both sides when they know there's a camera in that courtroom? I mean, do you come in more prepared? Do you make sure your hair is perfectly coiffed, which you don't have to worry about, Tim, because it always is? What 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 are the um, sort of the mitigating factors that affect both the state and defense and, and the lawyers in particular when they know everyone's watching on film? Well, I think cameras in the courtroom really affects the judge more than anybody. Um because judges know their careers can be made or broken based on their control of the of the litigants, their rulings in the court. Jurors are the second most to be affected by cameras, even though they, they keep they don't show the jurors. But yeah, a prosecutor knows it's on TV, high profile, of course. The Murdoch trial was a direct example of that. You saw the shenanigans where the one Murdoch son was flipping a bird at somebody during the trial. Mm. Uh, people act up. If it's on TV, jurors will want to get on that case because they want to be on TV. They think then maybe they can write a book. So federal court prohibits it because they don't think TV is necessary and it takes away from the, the, the decorum of the witnesses and they might be affected in their testimony. So that's why they don't do it. They've been staunch against it. 
people have tried in some of the biggest cases in America to get the Supreme Court to change. They don't even let you see the Supreme Court arguments on camera. It's a prohibition to keep that court neutral, the judges neutral, and and not be a, a, a sideshow. And by the way, uh, that was Buster Murdoch who flipped the bird to someone during the Alec Murdoch trial, and it was all on camera. And now there's a real possibility of a retrial because a clerk of court, Becky Hill, got in trouble for not only writing a book, but apparently uh, witness tampering, uh, as the defense alleges. And that is ongoing. But just imagine uh, if we had a retrial there and then a retrial here. So uh, let's hope that that is not the case. Uh, Sadie has a question. I do not know the answer to this. Maybe Judy does. I saw an Amy on the prosecution witness list. Does anyone know which Amy this is? Yeah, it's. Amy Adler, who was Dan's girlfriend at the time that he was killed. So I'm still questioning, like, what could she potentially say? You know, have no idea because she's all the way up in New York. So who knows? Um, We're going to close out with this question in a minute, which is win uh, win for the state or the defense. But before we get there, Yala has this question, uh, Tim, more specific, the airport comment. Does that show consciousness of guilt in your opinion? That actually is an admissible consciousness of guilt is a statement that is readily admissible. So is flight. Flight is a consciousness of guilt. So they could successfully argue, Judge, his comment about going to the airport meant that he knew he was going to be charged and it's a, a consciousness of guilt. And it's a, it's a heavy, that's a strong thing. When people say I'm going to flee because an innocent person wouldn't flee or get go to the airport. Yeah. Uh, it, that is, makes perfect sense. Wesley John Holmes says Katie's going to have to have something. The defense will rip her apart, which is precisely uh, why Tim Jansen does not think uh, she's going to get called. And then you've got back to Sadie here. Uh, there's been so much talk about this, Judy, but we haven't, What's up, Windsor? He just hopped on your chair, Tim. Uh, can law or I haven't noticed Windsor this entire time. He One of the two. He just yeah. got um, can law enforcement recover these deleted WhatsApp messages? There's been a lot of talk about that over the years, Judy. Do we know? Um, would we know? I mean, that would have to okay. be admitted into evidence. Would, would we know the state of affairs with the WhatsApp messages? Yeah. These are allegedly between Dan and Wendy, right? No, I mean, Wendy. I'm sorry, Charlie. Yeah, Wendy yeah, and Charlie, yeah. That's what I meant to other say. people. Yeah, I have no idea. Sorry. Okay. Uh, look at this one here from Gloria. I really wish that Rob Adelson would take his wife's last name. Who knows? Maybe he will. Uh, Cliff Frankenberger says, I 100% agree with Tim, but it's not about being right or wrong. If they bring her to the stand, in my opinion, they're in desperate state at that point uh, in the trial. I assume he's talking about Katie McBanawa. Uh, so to the final question here, which was raised a moment ago, um, Judy, to you first. Judy, of course, is an attorney, and uh, she has the YouTube channel Asian American Legal Focus. She's been breaking this down step by step all the way. Uh, today's uh, hearing, win for the defense, win for the state, and why, Judy? Hmm. Um, I think overall it was good for the state because they managed to get in most of the divorce file um, based on my recollection that, um, let's see, the stuff about Rivera's gang affiliation um, that's 
also, I believe, not supposed to be brought forth his so-called schizophrenia, which he was diagnosed with as a kid. That sounded really weird to me, but that's not going to be admissible. Um, the judge also denied Rashbaum's <laughs> request to use the jury questionnaire. So mm. that, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen with that. Um, so I would like to say it was kind of more for the state, but I'm totally biased. Mm. Uh, Yala says, call me when Charlie testifies. That will be the day to watch for in this trial. We've already heard all the evidence. Uh, Tim, is it a given? That, that Charlie's going to get up there. We talked about his ego. Do you think he's bold enough uh, to think that he's going to get up there and sway the jurors in his favor? You know, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know. I'm sure his lawyer is telling him not to because if he has a decent case, he would not put him up there. But if he needs a life vest and he's going down, he might want to be able to sway a couple jurors to get a hung jury so we can try a new defense another time. Um, but usually jurors can see through witnesses, like the Murdoch trial. He thought he was so clever and so smart, right? And this is a man as a lawyer, and I, I, I'm surprised the prosecutor didn't cross him by saying, you've been a trial lawyer all your life. Your whole life you have been preparing witnesses for deposition. You're preparing them for trial. So... Your whole life is preparing. You prepared yourself, haven't you? Nobody can prepare you better than for your own testimony. Um, I don't know if Charlie will take the stand, um, but he's got the ego that he might. And, the, you know, in our system, the defendant has the right to testify. And I don't think Rochbaum can keep him off if he wants to. Hmm. But that uh, would be fascinating to see him take the stand and see yeah. George across him. That would be fascinating. It could happen. Uh, Bonnie Lee Lopez in Vermont, I believe. John Singer believes there's enough to arrest Donna and Harvey. I believe everything he says. Uh, Tim, I'm going to ruffle some feathers here. LJ was all over John Singer. Look at this, Tim. Coming after you now. Wrong, Timmy. Wrong. Katie will take the stand. Would you like to rebut LJ, who was going after Singer heavy last time? LJ, will you buy me dinner when Katie doesn't take the stand? LJ if let takes a stand. I will buy you dip. Ah, look at this question, Tim. And then we'll start to wrap up here. Uh, Tim, do you think, uh, don't you think if they were going to charge more Adelsons, they would do them all together? Better chance of a conviction for all. That's an interesting uh, aspect. Standard law in federal court. If you're charged as a co-conspirator, your trial will be together. And it would probably be stronger to have them all together. Uh, Judy, Bonnie Lee Lopez, do you think Rob Adelson will testify? He's, um, of course, a brother that is now estranged yeah. from the family. Possibly. I mean, that's kind of funny when people just want us to guess, but <laughs> I think, sure, why not? I mean, he did show up on the on the witness list, which, of course, doesn't mean anything. But Whose witness list? The states or the The, the states, right? I, I think the states. Yes, yeah. because he is... Very much, um, as far as I know, he's estranged from the family. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, Tim Jansen, go into character and answer KCL's oh, question. What will Charlie's defense be, Counselor Jansen? I, I'm getting beat up tonight so much. And every time I give a defense, people are mad at me like I'm the – they kill the messenger. 
Um, hey, everyone's got to have a defense attorney, and Tim's one of the right. best. Tim, what would you do? What would you say? Well, listen, I'm I'm hoping they call Katie, right? If they call Katie to the stand, you know, you spent half your time. They brought this two-time liar, this murderer, this convicted person who committed perjury. And why did they bring her? Because their case is so weak that they need her to try to push it across the, the line. But why would they put a liar perjurer up there? Because they don't have a case. And then you can say there's no direct evidence linking this man to the murder. None at all. He's never been to Tallahassee. They can't prove that he knew Dan Markle ever had a conversation with Dan Markle and he's an easy scapegoat and, and then point to the, the shooter and Katie, but that it has weakness because as Judy said, what ties do they have to Dan Markle? They don't. And people, unless he's a serial murderer, you just don't kill people for no reason. You don't know has never had an interaction with. Uh, KCL, I think Tim Jansen is great. His brain is amazing, and he has an excellent legal mind. And by the way, Steve Cohen, my uh, producer extraordinaire, and I, we have officially booked our rooms in Tallahassee. We're going to be up there uh, the evening of October 29th, if anyone's going to be at the trial. Obviously, it goes without saying, come by and say hello to us, but we'll be there uh, for the first two or three nights of the trial, and we'll be doing live shows out of Jansen and Davis, the law firm that bears Tim Jansen's name, uh, he's invited us up. Uh, look at this comment. My dad always used to say, life uh, turns on a dime. It's a matter of inches. Uh, beautiful waterfall says, just think of the old man who lived next door to Danny hadn't looked out his window and seen the Prius drive off. They might have gotten away with murder. Um, and you still don't know, uh, you know, where, which way the jury is going to go with Charlie. Three people convicted so far. Uh, we're going to have to stay tuned. October 23rd, Charlie uh, Adelson's trial begins. Tomorrow, uh, we've had to ship things around. We're either going to do another Dan Markell show. Uh, we have to do a show tomorrow at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. Either going to be more Dan Markell or Corey Richens, the uh, Salt Lake City mom who's accused of poisoning her husband with uh, five times the lethal dose of fentanyl. They had three kids together. She wrote a children's book about it. So we might circle back and... Uh, Talk about that case, which I know KCL, a member of STS Nation, knows inside and out since she's from that neck of the woods. Uh, Wednesday, we've got Rachel Morin's brother on the show. We're doing two shows on Wednesday, 5 p.m. Rachel Morin's brother and the father of her oldest children, uh, Matt McCann, McMahon. Uh, they are both coming on along with the geo profiler. Uh, he's going to come on and talk about how they are looking or could be looking for this suspect that is still on the loose who murdered Rachel Moore and a mom of five on that Mon Pa hiking trail. So those are the next couple of days. And then 7 p.m. on Wednesday night, we're going to have Lauren Scharf, who was the reporter that owned the Suzanne Morphew case. So the next couple of days, it's either Corey Richens or more Dan Markell tomorrow. Rachel Moran's family, Wednesday at 5, 7 p.m. on Wednesday, we are doing uh, Suzanne Morphew. And then Thursday, I think we're going to get back to Brian Koberger, one of the OG cases for us. Hard to believe that um, quadruple homicide was almost four years ago to the day. Until then, have a wonderful Monday. We'll see you back here Tuesday. Love you, America. Love you, North Carolina, where Judy is. Love you, Florida, Tallahassee. Tasmania, the Republic of Ireland, South America. 
and everywhere in between. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.